Gentlemen, you are listening to the first ever Gird Up podcast interview. Our guest today is going to be Kevin Festerling. He is the leading founder of the new Kingdom Prep Lutheran High School in Milwaukee. Uh, among other things, he's got about 20 years of teaching experience. He's a great man of God, a good friend and mentor of mine, and I hope you enjoy hearing our conversation. But before we get started, I encourage you to get on iTunes and leave a review. Uh, we are now being hosted on Pippa, but if you use the SoundCloud link that you've used before, you'll find us um, as we continue growing and getting bigger. Make sure you're sharing this podcast with friends and relatives and I hope to see some reviews on there soon. Give us a five-star review and help iTunes notice us. But without further ado, I introduce to you my good friend, Kevin Festerling. Hello and welcome to the Gird Up Podcast. The call to gird up is an ancient way of telling a man to prepare himself for hard work or a battle ahead. Our work is to reclaim masculinity in the modern world and to live out our calling as men of God. Here you will find a community of believers, brothers in Christ, working hard to become the men that God has called us to be. I am your host, Charlie Ungemach. I'm a teacher, a coach, music director, and a man of God, myself working toward the goal of, like David, being a man after God's own heart. We're happy you could join us. Now it's time to roll up our sleeves, to gird up, and become the men that God has created us to be. All right, we're here with Kevin Festerling. Kevin, super happy to have you. Super excited. You are our first podcast guest. It's super exciting. Glad to be here. All right, Kevin, uh, we want to know who you are and how you became the Kevin Festerling. Tell us about yourself. Yikes. All right, good. Uh, grew up in a household of six kids. That's the most important part. Mom and dad were phenomenal people, both Wisconsin Synod Lutheran missionary type folks, you know, teachers, uh, five brothers, one sister, and that defined everything. Uh, being right in the middle, constantly trying to keep up with the older brothers on a bike, could never quite get the invite to go to Kmart when those guys would get <laughs> on their bikes and go. And so I had to work really hard to try and make it uh, into the top three. I was always number four. And then the bottom two underneath me, uh, first sister came along, younger brother. Uh, mom and dad has this, this theory, do your best, pray that it's blessed, let God take care of the rest. And uh, that's kind of taken me all the way through the whole Lutheran system, high school, and then Valparaiso University College. Jumped out, uh, experienced the call from the Lord to go to St. Marcus, uh, where I got to understand the achievement gap happening in our city in Milwaukee. Had no clue what was happening uh, up until that experience. 75 kids, we jumped in, 150 the next year, 300 next year, 400, 500, wow. 600. Left about then, after 10 years, to make sure my marriage was still intact. <laughs> uh, my wife and I revisited and said, are we okay? Uh, and I became an administrator at uh, Hmong American Peace Academy, uh, where I got to manage about 1,000 Hmong students, uh, kindergarten through 12th grade. And then from there, Center for Urban Teaching, Identifying Talent, uh, where you and I got to meet, which is awesome. Uh, meeting all kinds of cool people that love the Lord and wanted to make an impact in the city. Uh, now we're uh, doing a brand new gig, which is just trying to experience another uh, following of God's call, which is to uh, stand in the gap where it feels like there's some human suffering or human need and, and God has solutions and you know, try and stand in that gap as hard as we can. That is that is awesome. That is legitimate. Yeah. Um, you would mentioned your wife. Let's talk about your family a little bit. Uh, what does your family look like now? Man, my wife is so cool. So Lisa, she taught with me at St. Marcus for about 15, 16 years. And uh, during that time, we had two children of our own, and we would have had six or seven more. 
but we always had 25 each of us you know she was the fifth grade teacher fourth grade i was fifth grade my sister was down to fourth uh third grade and so it was just a big family event you know uh my wife uh got to experience the lutheran thing coming in she grew up catholic and uh you know i i knew for a fact that she uh she was going to do some some work in my life when i met her the first day and uh she's just been kind of chipping away at me every day uh creating a better man in me and hopefully uh we're reciprocal that way uh but yeah two kids daughter is in fifth grade that's getting really fun and awkward because <laughs> she's getting more and more beautiful every day and i'm now developing a brand new basement with a new bathroom in it so i no longer have to share one with her uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're starting to lose a little time in the bathroom yeah, absolutely yes and it's no longer cool and daddy just jumps out of the shower uh it just doesn't work <laughs> that's anymore weird well, yeah i mean it was funny when it was little kids and no one cared now it's uh, suddenly awkward and then a second grade young man named Sawyer. And, uh, man, that guy is just, uh, he's the joy of my heart watching that guy. Um, smarter than I am in so many ways. He's a mathematical guy, spatially oriented. I am not. And so he just looks at me and rolls his eyes sometimes and tolerates my, uh, my. <laughs> <laughs> I love seeing you and Sawyer together. Just the way the kid looks at you, he, man, you, you're doing something right. It's like, it's clear that you like, you're the master of his heart kind of thing. Like, it's cool stuff going on. I love watching you with your kids. It's wild, man. It's crazy. Huge impact. I don't know why God gives us that much impact over kids. I do, but it's scary. Uh, it's major. So you uh, mentioned that it's the day you met your wife. Um, you already knew she was going to be something important to you. You want to you talk to that a little bit? Yeah, actually. So we're at, at preseason. I played uh, soccer at Valpo, and she was cheerleading for the basketball team. So the first night out, you know, in preseason, where only the athletes are on campus, we're two weeks ahead of the schedule. So she could have picked any of the basketball players, and she still picked you. Well, she actually picked my friend, uh, which is <laughs> hilarious. So the, the night, uh, I actually saw her in the elevator of the dormitories. And the literally the day I show up, we're sharing an elevator. It was so cliche. Like, she comes in super tan wearing these short shorts and i'm like hey i'm from milwaukee i'm from chicago and we're in the elevator up four floors and right then i already knew there was going to be something with this this young lady it was a week later we're at this fraternity party which as cliche as that sounds it's there are such things uh the soccer guys are in the backyard no one's old enough to have a beverage yet but we all think we should be able to so we're in the backyard of this fraternity party and there she is and she literally spills a drink all over my roommate and good friend and soccer buddy matt Matt, in turn, says, hey, you spilled a drink on me. Now you owe me a kiss. And right in front of me, she kisses my friend. And I recall saying something oh, like, that's not OK. Uh, that's the girl I met in the elevator a week ago. Uh, and it was literally a week later where uh, we're together freshman year. And for the next four years, we're solid. Another year, we're planning marriage. And before you know it, God's got us uh building the family the, the question is is this an intentional spill or is this an <laughs> accidental spill well you know that jury is still out i don't know but <laughs> she won't tell you yeah uh, i know what her answer is it's, a, it's an accident but i'm pretty sure matt might have had a different story all right uh so you talked about uh you also talked about how it's a kind of a family experience um that's something that's really rare and super exciting like did you what like how does that affect your family life yeah uh well what tell me more about that question like, so you and your wife working together and they kind of get your sister and then you as the festering, uh, the festering path there. So, yeah. um, like what, what is that? How does, does that change anything at home or any family stuff or? Yeah. You know what it's done is really interesting. Um, the Lord introduced me into the storyline of 
serving widows and orphans, which I, I didn't think about it the way that I see it now. A lot of the young men that we serve sometimes uh, you know, in Milwaukee, and it, we don't really have the authority to speak, um, you know, with uh, accusation in this cause, but I will speak about it. It's frankly statistical that generally uh, the majority of our young men are growing up in homes where they're not born into marriage. Uh, and so, you know, the broken and fractured father relationships are so large that when I saw that coming out of college, it wasn't my choice. It was a, a direct call from the Lord, which is an experience that I hope everyone eventually gets to um, uh, undergo. But since then, uh, you know, my wife jumped in the very next year. Where she was in Palos Heights, Illinois, planning our marriage, uh, our wedding. And she was in the highest, you know, paid district in Illinois, public school, uh, Palos East. Very, very well to do. Uh, and then jumps into the Lutheran world uh, in the heart of, you know, the city, St. Marcus. And um, so her and I together had this rebirth of what it means to be alive, what it means to have an identity uh, outside of just each other's value in our immediate family. It was all of a sudden hundreds of kids who are also looking to be validated in, in unique ways. Um, and then not knowing what we were walking into with some of the racial uh, just tensions in the city. And, and, and you don't even know the racial... Uh, baggage that we've all inherited from the history of this, you know, the scars in this country of just interesting. You know, you don't even know the landmines you're walking into. Yeah, you, it's something you don't realize until you see it firsthand. Yeah, absolutely. And so, like my sister, then five years later, she graduates college, and of course, she wants to be a teacher. And she sees Big Brother at St. Marcus and how fun it is and how great it is. And, and so now the bait and switch has happened. You know, she's now there as a, a director at one of the new campuses. And here I have left. My wife has left. And now we're, you know, doing her own thing. And, and she, in turn, has created a new legacy. Her kids go to school there. Um, it's just uh, my mom and dad immediately, um, I wouldn't say immediately, but soon after we got involved, my mom starts AOC, Agents of Change, which... They were student council type people at Wisco, but all of a sudden they recognized that voting in of leaders does not always bring the minority uh, of students who should maybe have an impact. Uh, yeah. So my mom starts Agents of Change, AOC, and has hundreds now of kids doing ministry gospel work and a large demographic African-American, non-traditional Lutheran kids coming into Wisco, uh, Wisconsin High School, my mom and dad were teaching. And, uh, you know, uh, we bring kids everywhere with us. And it was never a savior mentality. Let's save these kids. It was, it was actually, and still is today, very much so, uh, a prayer asking the Lord to renovate our own heart to see if we have a gospel inside our own hearts that's worth sharing. Uh, and it's convicting. Yeah, and I see that in my own classroom all the time, too, is the idea of, like, um, I'm not the agent of change. The Lord is the agent of change, so it's my job to put it out there and to say what the Lord lays on my heart yeah. and to speak with, with his authority and whatever comes of it, that's the Lord's, uh, the Lord is reaping that blessing. The Lord is reaping it, not me. So, um, if I want to end up, you know, at the gates of heaven someday hearing the Lord say those words, well done, good and faithful servant. And if I'm going to, if I'm going to hear that, it's not about my results. It's about my actions in between now and then. And I think that's something I didn't realize until I started, like you said, working with widows and orphans and seeing that, because if you base it all on your own, um, like your own results, like we're just so like, frankly, we just face so much failure every day. It's like playing baseball. You're going to lose half your games, even if you're the best. And, uh, just like that reality that you're going to lose so often, the devil's going to win a lot of battles. Um, but you got to think long-term this is an eternal battle that we're fighting. And the eight year olds in front of me might not be listening right now. Um, but there's a good chance that the Lord is going to work in our hearts. I might see them in eternity, which is way more important. 
Absolutely, man. And you know, you and I battle all the time with the um, the identity of how salvation works. And so that that phrase that you and I have memorized: not saved by works, but saved uh, for good works. Right? Saved yeah. to do good works, essentially. That's an interesting moment, isn't it? When God pr- propels you into that field, when you're not trying to find your value in your works, but all of a sudden you look at yourself and go, whoa, do I have works that do actually glorify God? And in my life, I haven't found a, an arena yet where to much, you know, to those who've been given much, much is required, much is expected. I, spoiled rotten. Uh, not much money in our family, but so much love, so much value and truth and knowledge that, my goodness, man, any more knowledge gained without sharing it, it just puffs you up. And so this idea of building other people up through what we've been given, uh, just a blast. It's fun to watch you as well in that field. Well, and to add to that, the Lord promises that uh, he has prepared good works in advance for us to do. And it's a lot more, what's kind of what I think about when you were talking was, it's a lot more about me stepping into the role that God has provided for me and deciding to mat up and just listen to him. I think that's the name behind this podcast too. Like yeah. when he's talking to Job and he says, gird up, it's because Job is sitting back going like, why would you do this to me? And the Lord goes, oh, gird yourself up like a man. <laughs> now, you really want to get into this with me? Mm-hmm. And I, I've faced that situation many times where I'm trying to fight, fight against what the Lord has planned for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and ended up in some weird situations I shouldn't have been in in the first place yeah. that just wasn't the Lord's plan. And um, yeah, he just kind of redirects me and guides me back into the what? He has intended for me. It's pretty cool. Yeah, man. I was going to say, your geared up topic's pretty sweet. Well, I don't know where you got that from. But uh, it started as an Art of Madeliness thing. Brett McKay put it out. Um, and you can just Google geared up. And then it's the first thing that pop up is Brett McKay's article. Uh, okay. But it's the it's the idea of like you literally tie up. I haven't talked about this on the podcast uh, yet. So great yeah. question. I thought what you were going to mention. <laughs> <at some point. laughs> you like, like, so they would always wear long robes that That's were like right. literally ground level. Yeah. And so if you're going to get in a battle or a fight, if you're going to go work in the fields or whatever, you can't have this long robe. So they would literally like pull it up wedgie style and wrap <laughs> it around themselves and then tie it in the front. Yeah. It ended up looking kind of like a diaper, yeah. but like then they could move around and they could do the things they wanted to do. It's right up there. So if you Google, the, um, if you Google that one, it's right next to the samurai poop. Yeah, I was going to say <laughs> <laughs> samurai poop is awesome too. If you haven't heard of the samurai poop, go look up the samurai poop. You got to prepare, be prepared to fight in any situation. Even if you're, uh, even if you're <laughs> sitting on the porcelain throne. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's good. so uh, you, you talked a lot about being a dad. And like I said, I admire your dadness, if that if that's a word. <laughs> nice. uh, I love the way I, when I see your son look at you, like someday I want my own son to look at me the same way. Yeah. Um, and uh, I just wanted to ask you about that a little bit. Like, first off, like, what's it like being a dad? Man? How's that? Mm-hmm. How's that feel? What do you see? It's unreal. I remember when my daughter came into the world, it's just a brand new weight of goodness. Uh, you know, all of a sudden you are not just a boy anymore, but you have no choice but to all of a sudden step in and say, somebody needs to be the man here. Uh, and, you know, oddly, you learn more, in my opinion, I learned more about my wife from becoming a father of a daughter. Uh, it was just incredible. <laughs> I'd watch my daughter in the way she interacted with me, and i I could not help but all of a sudden have these giant epiphanies you notice about your wife. Uh, and that, for me, was extremely moving because I thought I knew my wife really well. And then I learned as I'm hanging out with this little one- and two-year-old and three-year-old daughter as she grows, turns out, like, I didn't know my wife that well. Uh, and the more you study your daughter and you start to understand her, there's just this giant key to unlocking your, your own wife's heart, I think. And then when the boy came... Uh, it was just hilarious. Like second child. I don't think that was it. I think it was this boy. It was kind of like, yeah, whatever. Let's just go home. Like get in the car. He's going to carry half the load. Uh, it was a very immediate, like 
not a whole lot I'm going to do. Like, I don't really have to get nervous about providing for this guy. Uh, and yet I, I do understand the, the giant responsibility that there's this, um, ah, it's just, it's almost heavy, too heavy to even talk about this concept of, of you wake up, you see your young man, you watch him grow, you go to bed and you can almost see the distance and how much he's traveled in, in length just from growing in one day. Uh, incredible. And the things you say to a young man when he's young, you know, you and I have those scars and celebrations of times we were young that we hardly even remember when they happened, mm -hmm. but they're there. Mm -hmm. uh, as a father, you actually get this opportunity to see that happening in slow motion when you watch your son's spirit get crushed by your, your hasty word, uh, your own insecurity and your own junk that you haven't yet dealt with. It becomes laser focused in the moment when you are experiencing this time with your son or daughter and you say something and their eyes just turn you see it happening and mm. it's just immediate you can walk away and just pretend like it didn't happen but more importantly you often go to them and you hug them and you say ay 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 that what you just experienced is something that i that happened to me when i was young and i'm sorry uh <laughs> and i think they learn more about god's own heart by watching a father uh become tender uh, and then also firm, you know? Uh, <laughs> well, I think you, you locked onto something that's really key too, is the idea of reflecting and kind of changing and adapting as you go, which I think a lot of, frankly, a lot of parents don't do that. Mm -hmm. And I think just because of the nature of what we do for a living, yeah. we see that a lot where people aren't changing and aren't doing things better on uh, as they go. Mm -hmm. Cause if they were <laughs> situations will be changing. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that it's, it just, just speaks volumes to your character that you're reflecting and you're active in like, changing and modeling that for your kids that's awesome yeah you get to when you make a lot of mistakes <laughs> yeah <laughs> but the, the more mistakes they see the more they can see you yeah. you working uh living out grace and forgiveness too yeah yeah no that's i i, I agree that reflection it's killer uh it's awesome uh in fact you know my wife and i joke that our own kids um you know eventually will have to grow up and buy big houses for their mom and dad uh so we're trying to raise them in a way that is very uh godly and kingdom focused um, you know, but it's just fun to watch because your kids are smarter than you oftentimes. And you, you, if, if they were the product just of what you were able to bring them up through your, what you know and what your experience is, you, you know, you're in trouble. Uh, God makes these kiddos oftentimes more intellectually powerful, uh, more spiritually, I think, in tune and adept where you get to literally extract and like pull out from within what God has already had. Uh, kind of raised up in that child to have and that, that's fun man you start seeing your kids do things say things project things uh witness to things that you yourself uh just couldn't quite muster and uh ah oh, it's almost like you you wake up and just say lord please allow me to uh accelerate that breathe into that and don't allow me to try and parent in a way that's going to actually uh kind of remove some of that beauty you know i think we do that sometimes and then create this judgment within them and then before you know it you get that exasperation and what, what should be a gentle admonishment turns into a judgment and kids lose part of their you know some of that beauty that they would have had otherwise so uh -huh. sometimes lord just help me not get in my kids way <laughs> yeah I, I think that's a good point too you kind of mentioned that kids like they they already know and we can, the world kind of pulls it out of them instead of filling them up. It's actually tearing them down. Yeah, oftentimes. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of shaping that goes on. You know, shepherding a child's heart is critical. Uh, knowing when it's time to say, hey, can we have a conversation about that? And when it's time to say, young man, I need you to go to your room. There's going to be a spanking at the end of this conversation. That's a giant uh, discernment, I think, that you can get wrong. 
and to not uh, would have learned to not discipline in anger, uh, allow the anger to go away. Use the anger for good. You know, anger itself is not a sin. Uh, it's it's what we're doing in that anger. And so to be able to say to your son, I am so upset right now. You need to go to your room. I'm going to come up when daddy's not so upset. Uh, and then to go up there and then still have that same mm-hmm. consequence, the same maybe <laughs> spanking, then him watch me almost cry and say, young man, I hate doing that. I, I imagine that's how God feels when he has to discipline us. You know, it's not a fun thing. And end it with prayer, with with a prayer to the Lord, with a conversation, a big hug. And, ah, oh man, it's so good. It's the messiest, best thing ever is parenting. That's powerful. Uh, so to start throwing some wind, wind dingers at you here, um, <laughs> what, what's changed in Kevin since he became a dad? It's mm. a good question. Uh, you want to know that answer, and I want to change your question, if you don't mind. Yeah, go ahead. Go yeah, ahead. And, I'll, and I'll answer that, I think. But um, what's changed in Kevin in general has been uh, a humility that comes through uh, repentance of sin. You know, I... I don't know, man. There's something disgusting about churches that look so good. You know, I'll go to some churches and I walk in and from the time it starts to the time it's over, I feel like I say this phrase and look at my wife. We joke. I say, ah, how are we going to go to the pretty people church today? And she knows exactly what church we're going to. It's just like hands up in the air. It's beautiful. And there's everything so clockwork, people shiny, looking good. And you know, uh, quoting Brennan Manning, uh, that a hospital for sinners is really what a church ought to be and not a museum of saints. And um, and so I, I think a lot of us hide those sins that God actually intends to, to use to teach us what it means to actually be qualified in this race, <laughs> to have that moment where we have a fall and then to not turn to the Judas route, but turn to Peter route uh, and say, Lord, I'm sorry, I've sinned. And, uh, and to then watch people on this earth that he's put closest around you to forgive you like what is the sound that grace makes when it hits something right like it makes a beautiful sound if it hits something but if it never hits anything it doesn't make a sound at all and sometimes we we lose and avoid that so for me personally i think parenting has just provided that many more opportunities (laughs) where the mirror is in front of you because the mirror is now looking a lot like you in a young body (laughs) uh and your own wife and 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 now there's three yeah. witnesses to your sinfulness. And there's, oh, th- ugh, yeah. you know, you're by yourself and you sin and you live with it. You go to work out, you move on, you run. But yeah. now you wake up and you got three people reminding you, not on purpose. But um, and so I would say it's been a, a beautiful collision of, uh, of reality and, and people who are, you don't now just have yourself to, to preach into your own heart and to forgive your own sins, right? But now you have three people who are these lighthouses that will continually beacon uh, a sign of grace and mercy. And I love you. And uh, I'll never forget um, my daughter on the way to church. You know, like when you're getting ready for church, it's frantic, crazy in the yeah. house. Remember when you were young? Did yep. that happen? You're like, I think yeah. Satan literally shows up. Get those sisters out of the house. <laughs> Satan shows up in our home when it's time to get ready for church and stuff gets nasty, you know, and people are yelling. It's late. Where's the offering envelope? Yada, yada, yada. Well, you got the pastor's kids too because we were a oh. pastor's family. So it's like, he's not going to wait for you, you know, and you, you walk into church and he's standing there with his arms crossed, you know, uh, waiting, for the, waiting for his family to come in. That's right. You had it worse than I did. <laughs> I remember my daughter, we get to church and I just got done being erratic not nice dad you know and getting to church and put the smile on shake hands with everybody oh it's great to see everyone you know elders in the church how you doing and you sit in the pew and act like everything is okay and i take a piece of paper and i write down uh you know the scribble card for little kids i grab and say morgan uh, i'm so sorry for how i treated you this morning would you forgive me 
And she grabs a pencil, takes a piece of paper, and she writes on it, uh, Daddy, I already forgave you in the car. You know, and I just oh, remember man. just falling apart, sitting in that pew, being like, where did she get that? Uh, and I think, oh, you know, man. God just gets to accelerate all the joys of what he's teaching us and his grace and his gospel uh, when you watch little kids bring it back to you. And so, oh, man, I just I'm in love with it. And, it, you know, I, I don't know how people I just don't know how people could ever imagine being a father, mother, a family without knowing who created all that good stuff, you know? Walt Disney does not capture the beauty of parenting, you know? You have to keep watching the movies, but we have this Holy Spirit living in our heart, and it's just, like, it's so tender. And the Spirit yeah. just kind of, like, you know, and you got to keep track of that, and that stifle them. And you, I, th- I think the Holy Spirit uh, does a lot of good uh, in your own heart, knocking on it, saying, whoa, 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 you just hurt somebody. Uh, go check it out, you know? Do some investigating here. Time to offer some forgiveness. And That's good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. So uh, my last follow-up question then on, on dadhood and kids is if um, so guys that know eventually and we're going to be husbands and fathers, yeah. what do we need to do to get ourselves ready for that? What, what, what would you have done if you could go back and do it again? Yeah, great question. I would have led a much purer life uh, with my dating. Just stupid. You know, my mom and dad were great. They were smart. They were like, you don't go on. We don't hold back from dates. In fact, date a lot. Like you're preparing for marriage. And the only reason you do date is to find your eventual wife. You know, they're good at that. Um, the stuff that I think I just forgot to do is I watched some of these guys do this courtship thing where they were just really protective about what they were and weren't, you know, doing physically with these young ladies. So we always learned the rule of celibacy, you know, and that was great. And it, it kept us from crossing those lines. There's still a lot of lines to cross, I'll tell you what, without yeah. crossing the line that, you know, we, we want to preserve that virginity and preserve our, our, our future wives. But not seeing our, our women as somebody else's daughter and somebody else's wife yeah. someday. I Just the objectifying that I think I was doing for countless silly girlfriends. You know, my, my daughter, God forbid she'll listen to this podcast, <laughs> uh, my daughter would say, all the time daddy did you have girlfriend before mommy and i would always say no i had distractions before mommy like Ooh, that's I had good. a lot of distractions and that's she'd good. laugh and say so you did have girlfriends i'd <laughs> say no i had did have distractions um and you know you learn but like i don't think i don't believe that you're supposed to go practice and try on and test drive and all that jazz that, that's stupid I mean, it's like saying to have a great car someday, a nice Porsche, like you got to go wreck a bunch of stupid Chevettes. <laughs> like, I don't think that's true. Uh, so I, I, I think I, for my son, we're already discussing, you know, really cool topics once in a while. I'll go out to the coffee shop and speak into his life. And when he gets to a, a little older age, I look forward to actually having really honest dialogue about what it's like courting a young lady. And I yeah. would expect an engagement to happen much sooner. I mean, being dating for five years means I was sinning a lot in my head, in my mind, in my body. That you just you don't date a girl for five years and not cross too many stupid lines yeah. emotionally, physically. I mean, it's all of that. So, you know, I would say for young men who are thinking about that, there's nothing you're doing with a young lady that isn't going to affect you when you do get married someday. It all, every one of those things, it creates like this giant scar that it will live with you. You don't get rid of it. And so you bring that into your, your relationship with your wife and that's part of the forgiveness and mercy. But yeah, like it just would have been a lot cooler if I think my wife would have known a guy who hadn't 
been such an idiot with so many other silly girls before yeah. that. You think they're you're you're so you think your dating path would have taken a different course if you had been yeah. behaved yourself a little better? I don't think I've ever opened a Bible with one of my girlfriends. You know, and since sixth grade I can look back at these silly relationships all the way through high school. Long lasting relationships, year long, you know, like silly. I don't think I ever opened a Bible. Didn't any kind of like Bible study. And why? Well, because like the light like that that exposes darkness. Like the light of truth. You open scripture and you literally are opening shedding light to darkness. And if there's darkness in your relationship, you just don't wanna you don't wanna open that Bible. It, because it it'll convict, it'll sharpen you both up, and and I don't think I wanted that. Uh, I had to, you know. Well, it doesn't serve our evil purposes, you know, the the evil man inside us. Yeah. Uh, something that uh, you made me think about that I've been I haven't had the guts to do it yet, but uh-huh. it's something I've been thinking about is on a first date, starting like pick her up, you get in the car and start with a prayer right there, yeah. and just see where it goes from. Now. I haven't had the guts to do it, <laughs> and so. I don't, I don't know what I don't know what it'll take. So if you're a girl listening to this podcast and I take you on a date and we start praying, you better know I'm serious because <laughs> Charlie made <laughs> it. <laughs> this is getting real. That's right. That's right. Our Father who art in heaven. <laughs> no, I think that's great. I mean, I pray now all the time just to, to protect relationships. You know, I never want to be in the room with a, a female now that I'm married one on one. But if there if that does happen at a coffee shop or something in a meeting, I'll often ask the Holy Spirit to be there. You know, and publicly. Um, just to add some protection, you know, of what we're doing yeah, and outside perception and all that jazz. Yeah, it's an honorable thing to do. Yeah. All right, uh, transitioning then, we got to talk about Kingdom Prep, man. Yeah. This is super exciting. If you don't, so a lot of people don't know a whole lot about what's going on, yeah. especially outside of the city of Milwaukee. So let's, let's talk about Kingdom Prep, man. Yeah, well, Kingdom Prep is not supposed to be a big flashy thing. In fact, we're trying to be super organic about it. I mean, what I would, what I crave, what I ask the Lord is something authentic. It is so honest and so authentic that we don't need to do social media. We don't need to do, uh, you know, big glitzy uh, media. We try to stay away from that. And so it's funny. I get people telling me what's on Facebook right now and what's on Twitter about this Kingdom Prep thing. And I I haven't read it yet. But I hear that, you know, people are starting to talk about it. (coughs) Kingdom Prep, I don't even know where to start. Except that I went to a high school that I would not have been able to afford if my mom and dad weren't teachers there. So my dad taught, retired this year for 45, 43 years, Wisconsin Lutheran High School. Shout out to Roger and Mimi. Shout out yeah. to Roger and Mimi. My mom was there as a guidance counselor for 10 or 15 years. Uh, just phenomenal people. Unreal. Well, my brothers and sisters, we still look back on those days as just giant faith formation, Christian brotherhood building, all the good stuff, you know, like that high school period, 9 to 12. Talk about a critical point in your life, right? When I found out that the kids that we were serving at St. Mark is pouring our lives into it as they poured into us, you know, like building this really cool church experience. When I found out that they uh, were applying to Wisco and the sheer volume of applications just couldn't be met by uh, a seat, I was shocked. Milwaukee Lutheran also, right? Thousands of kids being turned away from these two Lutheran high schools. And I was I was hearing this going, wait a minute. You can stay and make disciples of all nations. <laughs> like you can literally just open up another shop and we can become a Lutheran church that's relevant to families who are not even Lutheran. Maybe even don't have the same, you know, type of convictions that we have about the gospel. And so uh, we decided to open up a new school. We said we're going to do this and in faith. We just said, Lord, this is, uh, this is obviously something on your heart that you don't want to see kids getting turned away from an organization to maybe go to a charter high school or public high school where what I'm learning is that 
people are not fans of God in the public sphere. <laughs> I don't think that's new, but it's becoming more and more in our country. Like there's nothing, there's nothing, uh, you know, that you can rely upon anymore that there isn't going to be an atheist teacher who's just going to try and wreck someone's faith. Right. In fact, in a day and age where they're questioning everyone's gender, uh, I've just recognized that we need to go back to just like get really serious about what our gender roles are, the complementary relationship between a male and a female. And so two things. Number one, not creating a poor man's wisco was a problem. So I didn't <laughs> want to create another normal right. high school with boys and girls. Number two, 75% of our young men that we especially like to serve right now in the city that we're trying to come alongside of are born out of, out of wedlock into homes that, you know, mom's trying to hold it down and that's creating quite, quite a bit of stress and grandmas are, are oftentimes holding it together. And for whatever reason, I don't understand it because I haven't walked that path. But a lot of the young men are not experiencing the father figures that we've had. That yeah. Nobody should take for granted. So I, I go to go to church to St. John's in Wauwatosa and I'm at these pioneer groups and you got 25 young men under the age of third grade. Every young man's got a father there. Right. And then I go, you know, 25 blocks, one direction. And you'd be lucky to find three fathers show up by the 25 uh, and the young men that that does something you know there's something critical there so we decided let's become a school that is laser focused at raising up a generation of strong christian men men who will identify uh with the god who created them to be become men to step into places of chaos bring spiritual authority uh to reclaim all those things that that god has promised for us to lead women uh, in a way that's good and, and gentle and firm and strong uh, to make money, mm-hmm. to share money, to give money away, right? Yeah. To save money, uh, to be a place where we can serve in our churches, our brotherhood, give up what we want, you know, for what our brother needs. Yeah, so we're super excited, man. We found a building in Wauwatosa. Uh, we were looking anywhere, like an airplane in the air. We're just yeah. trying to land somewhere. Uh, and uh, coming home, I found this beautiful building that was empty for five or six years. And we thought, hey, let's let's have a go. And so somebody gave us six, uh, six years of lease and said, we love the vision. Let's go for it. Uh, meanwhile, the Drexel Fund, a national organization, came alongside and said, we, we like your vision. And uh, Alabama has a developer. Florida has a developer. And Milwaukee, uh, myself, earned this award uh, kind of essentially not yeah. just look at one school, but maybe grow a network of these. Let's, let's, let's do this and do it well. That's super cool. I love, uh, I, well, I got to be in your gym a couple weeks ago. I love that there's, uh, in one corner, uh, did you notice this? There's like a roller skating <laughs> booth and everything. It says like singles, single skate and couple skate and all that. Skate. You plan on incorporating that in yeah, like a homecoming dance or something? You got it. Saturday night, man. That thing will oh, be hopping. yeah. That's right. They still have Kingdom all the prep, Free skate. Here we go. <laughs> all skate. <laughs> it wouldn't be a couple skate. Uh, it's, hey, hey, hey. Just because we're an all-boys school doesn't mean we won't have a lot of women There we there. go. Oh, there we go. And that's kind of the purpose, isn't it? Absolutely. Train those boys. Yeah. So uh, let's just get a clear picture of what, what is Kingdom Prep. Yeah. So Kingdom Prep, the mission is to build a brotherhood in Christ for lives of purpose. That's the mission. There's nothing academic in there, is there? So we're a high school, but the mission is to build a brotherhood in Christ for lives of purpose. Our schools, for some reason, seem like they're putting kids in this weird box called test scores. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you what, if somebody put me back in school back in 1980s and uh, made test scores the reality uh, of what it is today for our kids' lives, I, I wouldn't be in the place I am now. Are you kidding me? Yeah, there I, is I'm just the way too much pressure we put on academics, similar to like the, the pressure that our society has put on government to solve problems. Mm-hmm. It's, it was never meant to carry that kind of pressure. That was meant for civil societies of, of churches 
same thing with our schools. It was never meant to carry the pressure that we're putting on it right now. And so if society's going to do that, then let's do what we're going to do and let's call it a life of purpose yeah. and not college or trade school or academia. So building a brotherhood in Christ. And then, uh, you know, the vision is to be a place where young men develop their God-given talents. You want to call them gifts? That'd be probably better. Develop their gifts to lead in their homes, serve in their churches, engage in meaningful work, and transform community. Uh, and through that, uh, we believe that these gentlemen will not just have a four-year existence of high school, but we think they're going to grow a brotherhood that will last for their whole life. Uh, we, th we talk about the four A's. Yeah. Uh, this is a place where young men will uh, do the first A, accept each other all the way. Second A is affirm one another and build each other up. The third A is to hold each other accountable to the goals and to the realities that God has uh, put into each other's lives. And the fourth is uh, authority, to finally once in a while pull your brother aside and say, hey, knock it off, that's not okay. Uh, you said that you want to do this. We held you accountable. Uh, we affirm you in your strengths and who you are. And uh, we accept you regardless the way Christ is. So a place where the young men can experience that we think will be authentic brotherhood. Um, in fact, I think the young men, if they're seen and known at that deep of a level, I believe that they will find our Lutheran church to become a place that will be home as well. Cool. So we're looking for mentorships of other Wells pastors and friends that will come and, 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 and just teach mentor and ask the young men if they'd like to be a part of this Lutheran faith, yeah. um, you know, and try to break down some of those stereotypical, uh, racial divides in our city that come through denomination that come through neighborhood street signs, you know, that come through, uh, you name it. I mean, the city's yeah. full of it. Right. Uh, so it sounds like you're, you can be really culture heavy. Like that's the emphasis of the school. How yeah. do you, how do you get there, man? Like, how do you get to that vision? Uh, yeah. Yeah. We're starting right now. So giving young men a voice is huge. We've learned that. So we're on currently uh, session number six of founders council where we're essentially, I go to school to school, and I just cast a vision, right? Similar to what I'm doing here. Just yeah. cast a vision and say, young men, we're creating a place for you to find a home, uh, a place where you can hold each other accountable and have a deeper family than what you've mm -hmm. ever experienced in brotherhood here. And, you know, it's funny. Some of the guys just, like, run away from it, like the magnets flip the wrong direction, you know? <laughs> they just, like, yikes, get me out of here. And other guys will just come right up to you, and they look you in the eye and say, I'm going to that school next year. And I said, well, good, because we need you. And my son's in second grade. He keeps saying, I'm going to go to Kingdom Prep. And I said, well, it's only going to be as good as the founders who started. So sure enough, these guys come every other Wednesday. We hang out and we make, make big decisions. Uh, we open up with some devotion. We talk about what it means to be a, a male versus a man. Uh, we talk about what will it take to create an environment, to create a school where you guys will like to come. Uh, what does it mean to do outdoor expeditions? W when is it the archaic, manly, macho stuff? And when is it just good to learn what it means to be outdoors and know mm -hmm. what it means to navigate yeah. some, some space outside? Uh, yeah, and so I think you build culture by uh, empowering voices, by uplifting people, by, by giving them a stage, uh, and then creating an environment where people are heard and other people listen and they, they build each other's ideas. And then rites of passage, you know, yeah. this concept where am I a man yet? I don't think anyone's answering that for anybody in society today. I think our society is taking it differently and they're saying, well, no, you're still in your parents' home. We're giving you insurance till you're like 26 now. And I, I think society is not giving clear demarcations for young boys to know when they're becoming men. And I don't think video games is helping. I don't think these stupid chat lines are helping. I don't, I don't think this fake universe of having a thousand friends, but not being seen and known by any of them on Facebook. I just think our society is generating a very empty, hollow, and shallow place that we're, you know, uh, kind of friends with thousands, but not really seen or known by uh, yeah. hardly any. 
Uh, so I think in a time and space now where we need authentic relationships, culture is built. And so, you know, here's an example. We, we don't have a push button application on our website. So people keep getting frustrated and saying, how do we get involved? How do we apply? How do we enroll? Right. And I'd say, well, let's talk. Hang out with us. Join. Uh, give me a phone call. Let me meet with you in your living room. I want to know your story. And it's, it's so odd. Parents don't quite know what to do with it. Like, what do you mean? And I say, we're, n- we're not going to just push button application. Let's meet each other. Right, Find you got to invest. Absolutely. So we hang out together. We spend a lot of time. Uh, they've been to my home now, you know, three or four times having mm-hmm. bonfires. I'm in their home. Uh, the, the, the parents are hanging out and asking b- big questions in our Founders Council's nights. And, and we think that's great. Yeah. So what is officially your role at Kingdom Prep? Good question. Uh, currently school developer, currently founder, currently principal, currently president, currently treasurer, currently marketing <laughs> and advertising, currently chief academic officer, currently holistic child culture builder. So, you know, I'm trying to give it away right. as fast as I can. And I've been praying that Lord just sends the people who will take it. So we're finding some really, really cool, talented folks who are taking those titles away. I think in the end, I'll be a principal. Uh, and I keep asking the Lord if there's someone out there who, who's meant to do this before me to, to send them and then make yeah. it very clear. And sure. I would gladly step aside um, for a, a brother who would lead better than myself. And so I'm, I'm still praying on that. I think uh, I don't think the Lord's going to grant that. I've been praying, Lord, send me an Aaron, you know, like Moses yeah, didn't want to. Sure. So there's parts of me just, you know, we I don't want to shrink and give up my confidence. Uh, but at the same time, I want to be honest and say, Lord, if there's someone better, send them. I think I know the answer to this question, but where did you get this idea, this vision from? Like, what's what's your foundation here? I mean, Kingdom Prep, the name itself is disruptive, right? Today it's college, sure. college prep, college prep, college prep, college yeah. prep. Because <clears throat> in the end, that is what makes our kids more palatable for a lot of us, isn't it? Let's make our kids ready for college. You know, that, that rhetoric is great in a social justice realm, but it doesn't do a whole lot for the eternal justice side of things. A lot of our kids are coming with a lot of baggage, right? And that's mm-hmm. not to um, sort of demonize a culture. It's to just be honest, right? The challenges are, are giant that their young men are facing today. I mean, they're reading about us in the BBC over in England, right? Uh, about the number one, you know, oppressive city for black folks. Yeah, you know? we're the number one most segregated city. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and not just that, but locking up more Afri- African-American men. And, uh, half of the men between age 35 and 40 are in jail or have been for 10 yeah. days. Actually, the uh, the zip code that I teach in has mm-hmm. the highest incarceration rate in the country. Yeah. And so to be careful not to build a career off of those stats, something I'm trying to be really diligent about. I don't yeah. want to look back when I'm 50 and say, we didn't make a dent in that, but I certainly made money and built a house and bought a cabin, you know, off yeah, of that. Sure. And so that's convicting. Um, and so watching all these schools go college prep and failing at it miserably, uh, I was stumbling in scripture, reading Matthew pretty heavily. And I heard Jesus say these words. Uh, he's talking about, don't worry about what you're going to wear. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. Uh, look at the sparrows, you know, look at the, the, the flowers in the field. You know, even Solomon was never dressed the way that these fields are with flowers. Mm-hmm. And he says, so don't worry. That's what the unbelievers are chasing. But seek first the kingdom of God and pursue his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. I started to think, I don't think I believe that <laughs> deep down. I just don't yeah. know if I do. In fact, if I do, that's fine. But I haven't been preaching that. I haven't been teaching that. I've been telling the kids, go to college, go to college, go to college. And then the ones who go are oftentimes floundering because their social network, their church, their brotherhood isn't there to, to bolster them up. And, and frankly, the majority aren't 
going to and through. Mm-hmm. And so this concept is is near and dear to my heart that every soul has a value that is is equal and <laughs> maybe even more valuable to me personally uh, if they struggle with some kind of academic goal. Yeah. Because therein lies your your honest moment to say, I don't have what it takes. And in that, you find the sufficiency of Christ and his grace. And I think God can make us as rich as he wants us to. And that is by no way to degrade college, degrade academic goals. I think the ironic part is because we're seeking the kingdom first. I think the downstream blessings of a kingdom first lifestyle is wanting to know more about the Lord. And so every spiritual act of academia is richer, mm-hmm. <laughs> is more full. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's going to be the ironic part is if we seek the kingdom first truly, um, I think we actually get a higher academic gain out of it anyway. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, Did you know I answer your question? Yeah, yeah. And you, you remind me of something too. When when you and I were in, uh, well, with Seafoot in in New, in Wells, Newark, yeah. we were talking to Father Ed. Somebody asked Father Ed, like, so what do you do to get your kids to college or whatever? And if you don't know Father Ed, look up St. Benedict's Prep and you're going to be right. just incredibly impressed. But Father Ed looks him in the eye. And so this he's a monk who has sworn, what is the vow of stability or whatever That's it right. is. He, right. He'll never leave. Uh, St. Benedict's and he's getting old now mm-hmm. um, but you wouldn't know it he looks like he's 54 but he's like 80 something or 70 something yeah. yeah 75 he's crazy he's one of my favorite people I've ever met but he looks this guy in the eye and he goes I don't care about that I don't care about college or how many kids are going anywhere their parents care about that and they tell me I should care about that but what really matters to me is when I see graduates coming back and bringing their sons to school or, you know, they're coming in, our alumni come in and introduce me to their sons because I know that those young men, Mm -hmm. when they were kids, couldn't have been introduced to me by their own fathers. So the idea that generations of change are happening because of the success of the school. And I I see that in your future, man. It's really cool to think about. It'd be a gift from God if we could be a part of that story, wouldn't it? Yeah, for sure. And, And you know who the deeper change has to happen with first? unfortunately it's probably not our kids that we're wanting to go save you know i know that rhetoric that people use is it's toxic to say it that way it's actually us yeah i mean for us who have money who have wherewithal who who've just been spoiled rotten by parents who love us you know people use that term privilege i think i think privilege has work work ethic if you grew up and you got to learn work ethic i think that was a privilege right yeah for sure getting a part-time job and having the ability to go like get dropped off at a part-time work to earn money and put money away and we would say oh it was so hard i had to work so hard like what a privilege that we had parents who could actually teach us that work ethic and we just want to transfer that you know what do they say that oftentimes you build your future on the shoulders of those who came before you yeah somebody eventually has to stop the cogs from spinning and say whoa 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 houston we've had enough chaos we need a generation who's going to stand up and do the right thing and you can't find a blueprint in our society today that is mutually agreed upon for a compass north and what's right. Yeah. It's just incredible. Uh, and so I think the church in today's day and age, is, that's where we're supposed to step in and lean into uh, people who want to serve and love and follow the, the, the Lord's plan, not to, not to be served, but to serve others. Yeah. And I think if you look at the recent men's movement in the last 10 years or so, and like that, this is just an outcry of that, you know, the, yeah. what you see like Brett McKay and, and those groups are doing, but then also just on top of it, like, schools like this are developing and becoming something that's that it's a big thing and i think i think that the lord is putting us here for a reason and he's blessing our work so cool we're starting to get low on time so i got two two more as i said earlier two more wind dingers for you i don't know why that word is so cool today but it's, it's my favorite one <laughs> um so the first question here um 
if you could go back, if you could go back and talk to Kevin Festerling when he was 18 years old, what would you go back and tell 18-year-old Kevin? What would you say to him? <laughs> I would say, um, do better planning. <laughs> no, I wouldn't <laughs> say that. Uh, 18-year-old self. Yeah, that's a great question. That's not fair, you know, because God truly gets to reveal some of those things in your rear view mirror, right? Like you look yeah, back sure. and you can see how God used all that junk. Um, but yeah, I mean, if I guess I, if I could have done that hindsight thing, uh, break up with that girlfriend you're hanging out with. <laughs> that's, that's key. Um, listen to the young lady that you're dating. You're hanging out with the girls you're dating. Listen to them and really listen and like try to truly understand what it is that they're, you know, there's always a subtext. Yeah. You know, uh, in the end, every little boy wants to know if he has what it takes to be a man. Yeah. Can I get the job done? You know, yeah. do I do I have the ability to fix stuff? I think we're all asking that question whether or not we want to admit that. Boys are asking that. And this is highly controversial. But I think a lot of women deep down are asking a different question. And this has been taught to us by other guy, you know, books that we've read. Um, yeah. Am I beautiful? Maybe a woman's asking. And then I think they they find that answer in how we treat them. And and yes, the answer is yes. And it's it's a deeper beauty than your physical. And so how to convince that to our young ladies and empower them to to be strong in themselves and not have to be validated by the guys around them. Uh, you know, to not have seen that as an 18-year-old guy, that we have a responsibility to build up our young ladies and validate them and love them. It's just critical that we somehow teach our young men to see women that way. Um and not uh, as objects, right? And not as the next conquest. I just think that's critical um, because a lot of these daughters, unfortunately, are not raised in homes where dad is instilling that and not having that conversation. Yeah. And so I just think that's one. I, would, I wish I would take this advice, but I don't think I'll, I will yet tonight. I wish I would say to myself, stop taking it so seriously and have fun, relax, be joyful, just laugh <laughs> more, you know, have a good time. Yeah. Um, so not taking everything so seriously. Uh, and not overthinking each one of your moves and like allow God to move. You know, that's probably the biggest one is just shut up and read your Bible. (laughs) (laughs) Believe that God still moves through his word. Believe that he still actively is right there with you. Believe he's, he's here with us now, you know, memorizing Mm -hmm. all the right stuff and living. What is that phrase? Uh, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. Yeah. That's a, it's one thing to say that it's another thing to sit back and deliberately do less work with your hands. Yeah. Because you're asking the Lord to do more. Yeah. What a hard thing for an egomaniac and a workaholic to stop working and sit and pray for an hour or two. Mm-hmm. It took me till I was 35 years old to be able to sit down for an hour and just spend time with the Lord. And yeah. I remember trying to do it. Uh, maybe you've gotten there yourself where you sit there and go, how do you even do this? Yeah. I don't know even know how to sit here for that long and, and read the Bible and expect uh, something new. And I find that it's refreshing every day. There's something brand new you learn. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, <laughs> so I think, yeah, shut up, read your Bible more, break up with that girl, treat them nicer and stop taking yourself so seriously. Good. Those are good <laughs> answers. And, uh, so, um, to, yeah. So reading your Bible on your own, that, like, I think that's one of the huge blessings. And those, of you, if you know me well, you know that like the last five years have been a, just one struggle after another for me in, in a good way. Like I wasn't stumbling over myself or like, you know, in a downward spiral, it was just the Lord kept placing roadblocks in front of me and he forced me just to fall flat on my face five or six different times. Um, and, um, in through all that continually, it was a refining process of now 
like most 25 year olds don't just legit don't spend as much time in scripture as I do. And, and the only reason for that is that I wouldn't have made it this far without it. Like I wouldn't be teaching. I wouldn't be having this conversation with you without it. And that's just, it's the Lord's guiding hand as we come through. And uh, the other thing, uh, so you, you mentioned the two questions that, that men have and women have, and that, that comes from that book John by John Eldridge, um, Wild at Heart. And you introduced me to that book. It's one of my favorites, one of the best books I've ever read. But you introduced me to that book on a subway at about <laughs> 7 o'clock in the morning on New York City. We're sweating. We're all uh, wearing backpacks just trying to stay right. alive, doing the whole tourist thing, like subway right. surfing, the, the whole right. shebang. And um, <laughs> I just remember uh, I was sitting there reading my Bible that morning. I don't know if you remember this at all. But I was oh, sitting yeah. there reading my I Bible. And there was a guy sitting across. He just like looked up and he goes, what are you reading? You reading the Bible? And we all kind of looked at each other like, uh-oh, it's about to go down. <laughs> and then, uh, Kevin, you spent like 20 minutes just talking to the guy about Scripture, and he was really receptive. And, like yeah. It was one of those you could see like on his face. He didn't believe anything we were saying, but he wanted yeah. to hear it, and he wanted to listen. And after that conversation, I was looking at you like, man, like how do we get there? And um, we talked about two things. We talked about the idea of starting a school for all boys, Jeez. which who knew, man? Who knew you were going to be doing this you know, less than 10 years later? Uh, but the other thing you talked about was you had just read this book by by John Eldridge, it was called Wild at Heart, and you didn't tell me anything about it. You just said, "Man, you need to go read. It. It's going to change your life." And it did. It set me on this course and, yeah. and changed a lot of things. So yeah, man, haters can't stand hearing stuff like that, though. You know that, right? Like yeah, we, we have sure. to put this qualifier in here. I, I do remember that day. In fact, many moments with you, Charlie. Which we should have a whole other podcast about. Like, you should. You're the, gonna be out again in a while. The, the we'll, funny we'll journeys of like Charlie and Kevin and friends. <laughs> uh, my goodness, there's a lot. But like, I I remember. Uh, just you people get Vince on here too. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. you know that's funny. There's so many directions to go. With what you just brought up, but I would say that people don't like hearing that. They don't yeah. want to hear the fact that when my son gets five animal crackers, he's chewing them into machine guns, <laughs> and my daughter's creating a little home out of them. They want to say society's created that. I, interesting right like uh, fine okay but let's explore that and enjoy the heck out of it and and, and not uh go the other way and, and force a new identity role on them let's understand what god's done in each of their lives so I, the complementary relationship that is outlined in that book uh he scratches the surface of something pretty doggone deep and yeah. if he puts it in language that is controversial not helpful for some that's fine but at least he's having the conversation uh, making yeah. a lot of obvious notices, sure. you know? Yeah. Well, I would agree with you. There's a lot of stuff in there that I go like, ah, I don't know. If that's right. Quite right. Like yeah. I've, I've studied scripture <laughs> yeah. and I've studied, you know, the, yeah. the Luther confessions and everything. And I don't think that's right, but that you're going to find that everywhere. Absolutely. You're going to find that in your own church with your own pastor too. So yeah. Yeah. Just taking it for what it is, but also examining the nature of what you are as a man. Yeah. It's clearly. So and if I wouldn't have read that book and my wife and I wouldn't have read it, Honestly, I think uh, we'd have some different troubles in our own home right now. Yeah. But knowing how to respect our son in a way uh, where he can still be his own man is really important. Uh, and, and my daughter, to love her in a way that uh, just edifies her and, and builds her up. I, I learned a lot from that book. It's funny, that whole topic of praying over that school topic. You know, yeah. Vin, Vince reminded me that we prayed about opening an all-boys school. We did. We on did. the rooftop in Brooklyn at the Loft Hostel. I have, look up there, <laughs> you'll see there's a Brooklyn Summer Ale up there. That's from that uh, night. We drank that beer that night. It's sitting I'm up there in my house. Right That's how much that means to me. <laughs> that is awesome. That's yep, great. That's how yeah. much that means to me. That's amazing. Well, I'll tell you what, man. Uh, the good Lord knew what he was doing, and uh, we're yeah, ri we're, sure. we're riding this wave. Well, and it, and we we were so lost at the time, like we were all so lost and messed up, and we still are. But oh my goodness, we were so off where he wanted us, and he just he guided us right there.
This is true. This is true. <laughs> and in five years, we'll probably say we were off during this podcast. Yeah, we're going to so listen to this podcast and be like, oh, but what were we saying? We'll revise everything <laughs> again in five years. So this is what we really think, right. guys, now men, that we're mature. Men keep growing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, last question. Uh, I respect you immensely just uh, as a man of God. That's nice. And <laughs> that's nice. Yeah. It's humbling. <laughs> I'm going to walk into a but door on the way out. I, I respect you immensely as a man of God. So my question for you is, what makes a Christian man? Like, how would you define Christian manhood? Uh, that's good. Um, nice. You know, I, I spent a lot of time in Proverbs listening to Solomon talk to his son, um, passing on wisdom, right? And so I think a man that's willing to uh, live beyond himself and create a legacy that outlasts himself uh, spiritually is really important. Um, and so I think that's that's probably my, my number one uh, criteria is to build something that outlasts yourself. And the only way to do that is to, to give God glory. So glorifying God in a way, well, I mean, how do I take this set of gifts and, and skills, which are, are few or, or frequent, whatever, how do you actually know where to lean in the hardest and where to uh, push the gas pedal the farthest uh, in order to glorify God? I think that's the question we're all waiting for someone to tell us. And so unfortunately, we don't have people who study us and come around us and mm-hmm. do that too often. But I think a, a Christian man surrounds himself with other Christian men. And he's willing to say, brother, I don't know myself all the way. Can you help me? What are you seeing in my life? Um, and then they sharpen each other. There's that the wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. as uh, one of the proverbs, and I think that's true. Iron sharpens iron. And so to be surrounded by men who are willing to speak into your life, uh, sometimes we try to dump our baggage on our wives or on mm-hmm. our females, and I don't know that they're meant to actually like handle all that crap. I think there's a lot of stuff that us men need to sort out with each other. <laughs> and uh, if you haven't been taught how to do that yet, that's something to, to think about doing. Find deliberately a relationship with another guy that you can just be like, hey. Uh, read with them, pray with them, talk about life, and uh, and let them bust you up once in a while. Yeah. Uh, and so I think, yeah, surround yourself with Christian men, um, and then try to come up with that that God-shaped vision that He deliberately put you on this earth to do, and believe that, and, and pray to the Lord. What can I do? What legacy do you want me to build that will outlast me? That gives you the most glory, uh, so that when I am truly fulfilled in you giving you glory that is when you'll be most you know glorified in me and uh what a sweet relationship so i think that's it and then everything else down flow from their blessing is a great wife because you're glorifying god through the relationship with your wife uh you glorify god the way you raise your kids glorify your god in the way that you you do everything uh and i think without that brotherhood of guys who are there to check you uh, i think you can get yourself into some pretty big uh (laughs) big (laughs) mistakes you know all right, Kevin. Thank you. That oh man, I can't think of a better guest to be my first guest. On oh podcast. man, next That's time awesome. I get to interview you, I don't know when that happens, uh, but I got I got a bunch of questions. You got to start you. your own podcast for that uh, to happen, man. That sounds good. This right, has been so, fun, man. Yeah. I appreciate the work you're doing, Charlie, and keep up the uh, awesome work. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Um, if somebody wants to reach out to you and and, and contact you, what what would they do? Whether yeah. it's about kingdom prep or just personally, they want to yeah, find out more. Yeah, totally, man. I love ministering to uh, other people, especially young men. Um, so Kevin Festerling, you can find me. Uh, I don't do my Twitter or Facebook. I don't do that anymore. someday I will. Uh, right now you can find me at Kevin dot at gmail dot com. If you want to look for us and more information about our school at Kingdom Prep and Wabatosa serving kids mostly from Milwaukee, is uh, kplhs dot org. Kingdom Prep Lutheran High School org KPLHS org. Thank you, Charlie. Oh man, thank you, Kevin. Good to have you, man. Awesome. Thank you. Bumper music. 
Thanks for listening to the Gird Up Podcast. You can find more episodes just like this one on iTunes or SoundCloud under the name The Gird Up Podcast. You can follow me, Charlie Ungamak, at on Instagram at Coach Ungamak, on Facebook as Charlie Ungamak, or you can email me on the good old email at coachungamak at gmail.com. Please make sure you leave a review for this podcast. Make sure we get good ratings. And it's time now to go be the man that God has created you to be. God bless.